Dole Myers is a professor in the Sol Price School of Public Policy at the University of Southern California, where he directs the Population Dynamics Research Group. Myers holds graduate degrees from UC Berkeley and MIT. He is an urban demographer and a housing specialist who integrates demographic data with housing, urban planning and public opinion. Myers has a large catalogue of research on trajectories of immigrant advancement and is the author of the award-winning book Immigrants and Boomers, Forging a New Social Contract for the Future of America. Ed Blakely is a former Washington insider, an internationally recognised leader in urban development and planning, advisor and author. You have been the master of the census since I've known you. Uh, and you serve on a U.S. census panel, is that right? Uh, yeah, I've been an advisor to the Census Bureau on their professional advisory panel. Excellent. And, I, uh, I wrote a book on the, the census, uh, you know, how to, how to use it for local analysis. So I've been following it very closely for a long time. Right. And you have been writing some really interesting articles about the census. Uh, that most of us have been following because they're copied by other people and various newspapers and journals and magazines. Uh, now the U.S. every 10 years has a census. What's in this census? What is it about now? Well, the important thing about it is it's constitutionally required. Otherwise, we wouldn't get it done. You know, Americans have a hard time getting agreement on things, but that's required. And uh, what's required is, is a headcount of all the people. And with a just a few specific variables, race, age, sex, and I think whether you are uh, li uh, living in an owned or rented home. And those are the only things required. We supplement it with another, uh, another census or a, a survey called the American Community Survey, where they ask all the good stuff like uh, education, where you were born, uh, marital status, uh, income, all, you know, all the interesting things about your house, how much its, its value is, how many rooms it has, do you have air conditioning, all, all these uh, other questions are in a supplementary survey. And but whether you live in a gated community, which I used in my book. Yeah, it, yeah. whether it, even that. Yeah. Um, but it's required just for a, a headcount have people age 18 and older who are citizens and voting eligible. And then we use that to uh, um, the population numbers to apportion representation. So there's a, a fixed number of congressional members. And so if we have to sort of reallocate who gets how many seats in the House of Representatives, the Senate has two people for every state, so that's fixed but the, the House of Representatives is, is floating. And it's based on formula of the total population and, and then dividing it up. Every, the small states get one representative automatically. Uh, uh, and then other states get, get more as they're proportionally bigger. Uh, but it changes uh, every, every decade. Uh, some states are growing, like Texas is growing the most and they added, um, they added two seats. Uh, and California is growing also, but growing slower than the national average. And other places are growing faster. And this time they reallocated one seat away from California. First time ever that we lost uh, a seat in, in Congress. So that means then we have to redraw the lines of the districts. 
So we're going to take one, we take one house seat away and then redraw all the boundaries in all the other, all the other districts. So it's very political is how it gets drawn. In the South, they're adding uh, seats and they're doing a really good job of keeping, of keep away. How to, how to add population uh, in like in, for example, in Austin, Texas, where it's uh, highly uh, democratic, how to add population there without letting that affect the political representation in the state. And the way you do, do that, that is you, you gerrymander, you, 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 you divide each district into little slivers. So it has 49% Democrats and 51% Republicans in every, every, every district. Something like, oh. you know, roughly like that. Wow. That way uh, you can hide the Democratic uh, majority, hide it, divide it up into, and disperse it. And then you can have more Republican uh, uh, legislators in the state house. And that's why this new bill uh, that's being sponsored by the Democrats uh, that would require uh, voting uh, in every state be done by uh, districts, be done by a commission is so important. A commission that would be a nonpartisan. Nonpartisan. California has that. Yeah, or, or evenly bipartisan, at least evenly balanced. No, the computers have made this much worse than it ever was before. Uh, gerrymandering, you know, has, has been in a known thing, a, a, a bias, a deliberate bias for you know uh, more than a century. But with computers, you can really fine tune it surgically, so that you can really stack the deck against your opposition. So if you happen to have an, a, a majority in the legislature the year of the census, you can then draw the district for the whole next decade until the next census when it's redrawn again and, and control the representation, no matter what the, the actual voters want, you can, because you can allocate them in a way that's uh, skewed to, to maximize the advantages for one party. Wow. So uh, what are some of the uh, other outcomes of the census? The census is used uh, for allocating government funds, isn't it? Yeah, so it's part of an allocation formula, um, you know, per capita formula, but, but with, combined with the um, American Community Survey, which, you know, which is supplementary, you could also include indicators like poverty uh, and measures of need, and then allocate funds that way uh, in addition to just pure population. So what are the, some of the surprises in this census, if any? Well, you know, so far the 2020 results come out, they come out in waves. The very first wave it was delayed this year because of the pandemic. I mean, I just got to say this. I mean, we had some really bad luck this year. Our, our, our census is scheduled for April 1st and people vote, um, you know, beginning about a month before that date and and, and the, up to several months after that date, but all, not vote, I shouldn't say, they stand up and be counted, but they're counted as of their residence on April 1st. That's the, the benchmark date. Um, the problem is that was really when the pandemic was first slamming into the, into the United States. It really, really began like, you know, be a big problem March 1st. And so by the time we got to the, the, the census, date, it had disrupted where people were living. People in New York in particular that were, were hit first and they and the, the higher income uh, districts in New York City were emptied out as people fled to their second homes 
or relocated to other destinations. And so they weren't even there at their place of residence to be counted, uh, which created some little problems for them to reconstruct where, where's your normal residence? Yeah. Had to go through. And, and it stretched out the whole census collection process. It delayed it because for the ones who didn't respond by mail, which is how you're supposed to do it, they go back on foot and go door to door and try to find out, which is much more expensive and time consuming. And that stretched out into like November, even December before they finished, closed that follow-up count. So this was just a, a, a rough time to have a census. But then number two, the party in, in I should say the president who was uh, head of the, his administration, Donald Trump, um, launched a few initiatives to try to undermine the census. Uh, and I say try to undermine, he wanted to question the status of different residents to be counted and wanted to register the ones who would not be counted, uh, i.e. people who were uh, immigrants who had, did not have authorization for residents in the US. They're supposed to all be counted. Every person is counted in the census. And he was floating the, the proposition that they would not be counted. Well, this is required in the constitution and, and it, it, that was overturned in the courts, but it created enough of a skunk smell over the census that anybody who was uh, an illegal immigrant was very worried about participating. And there were, and the concern was it would deflate the population in states that had a number of immigrants who were longstanding residents, but did not have papers mm -hmm. like California. So that was a big worry on top of everything else. And then, the third problem, which really came first, was this was the first census that was going to be conducted uh, entirely uh, electronically, an online census for the first time. And they needed to test it out. Everything is tested very thoroughly. Uh, each They started on planning the next census literally 10 years before it happens. And the, but the Trump administration cut the budget for testing. <laughs> So we had new technology for collecting the data that wasn't fully tested. It only tested about um, half to two thirds as much as planned. And then we had a bad timing on when it was gonna be collected. And then we had a skunk smell put over the, the, the census to scare away people who um, might vote democratic. Wow. And that, all this could de depress the count. Yeah, we had the same problem here in Australia with the electronic. We had the same problem in Australia uh, we did not stress test uh, the census, which we did electronically, and it failed. It actually collapsed oh, on the days it was supposed to come in. Fortunately, I'd sent mine in early and got counted, but a lot of people didn't get counted, and they had to go back uh, using other methods to uh, get them counted. It was crazy. But we have ours every five well, years. So tell me, well, what's, I, what's I the mix? What's the mix here? Are there more Hispanics, Blacks, et cetera? What's the population mix? And what population is growing? Which population is declining? Uh, well, uh, there's controversy over the mix um, because there's controversy over the definitions of race, mm -hmm. racial categories. Um, but it's safe to say that African-Americans are the most constant category and their numbers are actually fairly steady also. 
uh, steady percentage of the total. The Latino population has been growing um, more rapidly, and yet recently it's been slowing down progressively. Since, since the Great Recession, it started slowing down mm. uh, a lot, abruptly in the Great Recession, and it hasn't really recovered. So that, that's, that's meant that the total Lati Hispanic or Latino population, uh, which was expected to, to reach certain thresholds, is not reaching them as quickly. And so that is, uh, is altering people's uh, outlooks on things. And in contradiction to that, or opposite to that, <clears throat> the Asian population or Asian American population or Asian American and Pacific Islander population to be more complete, that's been growing more rapidly from immigration and has accelerated its rate of increase. So you've got a few offsetting trends, but on the whole, the population in the US is slowing down. It's slow, it's, it was slower, less growth. It was recorded this decade than ever before. And each of the last three decades has been progressively slower. So we have the slowing down going on. Some groups going a little bit faster than expected, but most groups going slower than expected, including the Latinos and including immigrants. Um, but people had made plans or expectations for more rapid changes. Now, I mentioned the controversy. I'm part of one, one, one aspect of that, which I'll, I can share because I'm, I'm in there. We're working on an Atlantic Monthly article that will summarize this succinctly uh, and it should be out in the next couple of weeks. But it has to do with what's the definition of white is. And it has to do with projections of white. And, and the projections of the white population were used politically to traumatize or terrorize and uh, scare uh, white voters into adopting more reactionary political postures, more, more fearful and defensive postures mm -hmm. by exaggerating the, the trends and then implying that whites are gonna be extinct or made to disappear, which is of course not true at all, but that was the message that was projected. So how's the white population done? because in Europe, it is declining. Yeah, the white population in Europe, the birth rate's been very low in Europe for quite a while. And it has been declining, which is the reason why they have immigration. They need the workers. Right. So um, in the US, our population has not declined. Uh, the white population is still growing. It depends on how you define it. The problem is it comes with someone like Jeb Bush. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Ed, you may have an example to share also, but. Jeb Bush is, you know, part of a political family. He was the former governor of, uh, of Florida. He ran for, um, for president this last round and was a washout. But he married a woman from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And he has these kids who speak Spanish. And, um, and, and, and uh, yet they are Bushes. And, um, and one of the sons, Jeb's sons, is a land commissioner in Texas. He's on the political track. So the question is, does Jeb Bush have any kids? Or does he have any kids that are white? Or are, are his kids <laughs> only non-white? And the, the, the true answer is that they're both. Mm -hmm. They are both white and they are Latino, both. They're not either or. But the way it's classified oftentimes is a zero sum, either or classification. And that's why Jeb Bush has no kids. And Ted Cruz, all his kids are Latino, but he's married to a Norwegian woman, a Norwegian ancestry, and his blonde girls 
who don't speak Spanish, they're going to be called Hispanic because they're really Hispanic and they're also white. So what we have is we have growing intermarriage phenomena. Uh, 17% of new marriages re recently, or 19% last year, were of people of two different races. That's excellent. Yeah. That's great. It is great. But then what do you do with the kids? Do you have to put them in one parent's category or the other parent's category? Well, we think you should put them in both categories. Mm. Well, then I'm, I'm one of them because uh, I'm Native American and Black. So, well, then uh, Native, Americans, Native Americans would want to count you to keep their numbers up because the numbers are so small. And African Americans would want to count you. So everybody, should be able to, everybody should be double counted if need be to represent the, a group. That's interesting. I, I've always identified as uh, African American. Uh, but uh, because I'm, my Native American blood is uh, less than a quarter, uh, but um, some members of the family who have higher Native American blood identify themselves as Black uh, because it's good for them politically. Yeah. And so, well, if you were Hawaiian and you were like an eighth Hawaiian, you would claim it. If you were a 16th Hawaiian, you would claim it because that's a real point of pride in the islands it also gets you in those better schools <laughs> yeah yeah which yeah, is not so the case so that's why it's it's controversial what what is happening with the mix the, the, the real the real answer is the mix is blending and, and blending is a healthy thing it's a healthy thing. but it creates a statistical nightmare <laughs> yeah, yeah well let's get on with nightmares um we have a political nightmare uh here uh, what does this growth in Texas mean, even with gerrymandering? And let's assume that this bill doesn't pass for a while. I would think uh, Texas is going to go blue soon. And uh, like Colorado, Colorado, as I was a kid, was Republican heaven. And Colorado is now solid blue. Uh, less than a decade ago, Virginia. Gee, if my daughter were moving to Virginia 10 years ago, I'd be running over the states and barring the move. But now she's joining a blue state. Yeah. And Northern Virginia is very multiracial. That's right. That's amazing. And Texas is I mean, becoming more multiracial as well. Well, but D.C. area has got people from every nationality in the world. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I was impressed by that when I studied it. I just, it's amazing. They have little pockets of Koreans in in, in um, area of, of Maryland, and they got a big pocket of, uh, a couple pockets of, of Indians, uh, uh, Asian Indians in, in Northern Virginia. And, and then they got, they spread all over. It's, um, so, so some states, but Texas is um, a big state. And uh, it, it, Houston has really diversified. It's remarkable. It used to be a black-white southern city, and now it's it's got uh, a, a a large, very large Latino population, but it also has Asian, Vietnamese in particular. Um, it's uh, it's Houston is really a world city, a global city. So does it's, this mean Texas can go blue? Well, there's it, it, it in total it could, but in districts. If you add up all the districts after they're gerrymandered, it won't go blue. Mm. It, it'll be predominantly, the legislature will be predominantly Republican. But Texas as a whole, Beto O'Rourke came close 
Very close. In the last election. And that he'll probably run Senate. for governor. Uh, well, that was for a Senate. Was that Senate? Yeah, it was for the Senate, but he'll probably run for governor. And it seems he set aside on that. He's still running around the state, uh, gathering votes over this latest crisis they've had over the electricity. So I think he set his fight on the governorship and the governor oh, yeah. has done a yeah. horrible job. Well, the, uh, when, I, when I lived in Texas, it was actually had a, a, a Democratic woman as the- Oh yeah. Um, Ann Richards. Ann Richards, yes. She moved to and New York. Did. What's that? She moved to New York. No, no, she died. I know, but she moved to New York before she died. Oh. Yeah. Molly Ivins died too, who was a yeah. political journalist, a woman, a great, great writer and comedian. Unbelievable. Um, but it, so the generation has died out. Um, and then we've been left with, um, and Molly Ivins had a, a name for all these, um, these Texas governors. She called um, uh, uh, George W. Bush shrub. <laughs> Always referred to him as shrub. And then um, the the governor after him, um, what's his name? Uh, he 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 became in energy secretary. Energy secretary. In, uh, uh, Rick Perry. Rick Perry. She called Rick Perry Governor Goodhair. Because he had a, a quaff that was like you know so carefully. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, but she would tell stories about about them and, and Dick Cheney and and the, the, Ann Richards was uh, not Ann Richards Molly Ivins was uh, over six feet tall, um, grew up in a Republican family was educated in, at Wellesley I think it was, and uh, was a good writer, but she could drink with the boys, and swear with the boys and so she was a, an oddity but fit in and then she told spun yarn, yarns about Texas politicians. It was really something, but we've lost all that. And now it's just, um, we have, you know, Ted Cruz, who's born in Canada, uh, but is, I guess, a naturalized citizen of Texas or US. And, well, he, and, he uh, no, he's eligible to run for president. So he must've been born in the States. Yeah, he must've, well, no, he was born in Canada. My, but uh, but he ah uh, but he has American he has, citizenship yeah American, okay. he had American parent yeah same yeah. as John John McCain was born in the Canal Zone in Panama yeah. but but he had American parent and right. Barack Obama for everything they said about him being you know illegitimate because he was born in Kenya well his mother was born in Kansas and so he was already it didn't matter where he was born didn't matter and didn't matter and he was born in Hawaii the whole way yeah despite anyway. whatever whatever fiction was spun about him. All right, so what, what are we learning from the census? Uh, where's the U.S. going to go? Well, What's so the trajectory? Well so, well, well, so what we learned from the census count is that the, the political weight is shifting to the South, um, but the South is, is diversifying, and there's a chance that, that more Southern states could become blue, but there's a really active regard action to, to gerrymander the districts within each state in the South to guard against this democratic majority. We've learned that. But in addition, we have other trends that are going on that will be revealed with the next round of data as it comes out uh, probably in the, the fall here. <clears throat> we already know a lot of these from all the other surveys, but it'll, it'll just be the confirmatory moment. 
about the weight of elderly that is rapidly rising in the US and the shrinkage of children. We actually have declining numbers of children and we have this ponderous weight of, of, of senior citizens, which really does change the politics, not simply because senior citizens vote for their own benefits, but because senior citizens depend on a young working age population to pay the taxes That's right. to support their benefits. And we have this crisis we're facing. Right now, the Biden administration is pumping a lot of money, uh, proposing, pumping a lot of money into early childhood education because that's been proven to be the, the most effective way to raise the, the, um, the productive capabilities of, of, the work, of the working age population is to get them when they're two years old and four years old and lay a foundation for a good elementary education, which lays the foundation for high school and beyond. And so we're investing more. We're now for the first time, we should have been doing this 10 years ago and forever before that. We're now gonna be investing more in our shrinking child population. Like Finland. Finland's and, and so that, that's three years. Uh, yeah, so say that again, Ed, what was that? Finland comes out on top of the testing because yeah. schools, kids start school at two. They start early Finland, childhood education. They, they are the, they are the, the, the champion. Yeah. One of my research collaborators from Boston, his wife is Finnish, and their daughter and her family just moved to Finland. Yeah. Um, take advantage of that educational system. Yeah. 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 So we, we can learn a lot from other countries, but we're Americans and we don't learn from anybody. We're proud of our, our distinctions. But if you're going to be the best in the world, you really need to actually copy some of the best practices of everybody else. And you That's collect the true. best practices, then you are the best in the world. Well, two other issues, housing, the census and housing, what is the telling? <clears throat> um, homeownership is growing top heavy. More and more of the homeowners are, are over 55. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's like 60% or more of the homeowners. And, and fewer of the younger generation is, is able to acquire homeownership. So this is an interesting problem because old people eventually have to all sell. And the question is who they're going to sell to because they're, they're going to be like a, on an island here, a very large island and trying to sell to, to younger people who aren't really prepared for home ownership. They haven't built up any equity, so they can't you know, make a big down payment on an expensive house. I, I'm afraid that house prices may have to decline to the point where they're affordable to young people. So that would be so, a novel idea. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not. I'm not voting for it. <laughs> I, I, I'm opposed to it. I'm. I'm in favor of fortifying the younger generation as much as we can, so they can pay me the big bucks I expect. You're right. Of course. Like, you know, it's and in well, all our best interest. We have the same problem here in Australia. The average housing price in Sydney is 1.1 million dollars. Ridiculous. That's that's crazy. And what's, yeah. the, what's the average down payment required to, to buy a house? Oh, I think you can get one at 5% because uh, interest rates are near, nearly zero. So you but, 50, uh, but, that's doable. But people you, don't want to make that payment. So they put up 20%. Yeah. yeah. But, then, but then you need two earners to pay the mortgage still. That's right. You need two earners and rich grandparents. Well, so I, 
article I wrote back in the 80s talked about the, the, the growing importance of wives' earnings mm -hmm. in homeownership. They were becoming more and more equal to the husband's earnings, mm -hmm. which created a problem for if you have a mortgage due every month, how do you take time off from work to have a baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or anything else. Time off. You know, we don't really have the, the child care support system in the U.S. to support uh, careers plus baby making. And that's one reason our, our birth numbers are down so much. So we're going to have to fortify that. It's, 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 I think Biden's going to call that critical infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> As it should be called. And that's what he's doing in the family uh, bill. Uh, let, let's well, turn to another issue here. Okay. Um, and that is something that happened on January 6th. The people who raided the Capitol weren't jobless. They weren't uh, uneducated. Uh, many of them had fairly good jobs. But the thing they seem to have in common, according to a survey where they interviewed them, is because they were white males in their 40s and early 50s, they felt women, Blacks, immigrants were taking the jobs that they should have or the next spot on the ladder. Is that true? Is worker participation changing that much where Blacks and others are getting the labor force and commanding decent incomes? Um, no, it's not true. It, it, there's a shortage of workers right now, today. Mm -hmm. and, and before the pandemic, there was a shortage of workers. Our, our unemployment rate was at record lows. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's no, it's no economic crisis. There is some stagnation in some states. Um, and there is uh, uh, really what, what there really is, is a... a polarization, a, a, a divisiveness and polarization of information channels. And there is a group that has been, um, been, um, has been subjected to um, propaganda of false stories that are designed to scare them. Yeah. And so they're reacting against these dragons that they've heard about, this right. mythology and they think that they're being cheated and things are being stolen and, and that there's no, um, there's nobody who can save the world except for them unless they do what their leader says they should do, which is to you know, rise up and revolt. Literally, that's, it, that's the story. That's Germany it's, in the 1930s. It's a, it's a falsehood problem. Yeah. And it, it is rooted in the, the digital uh, revolution of, of having social media and separate cable channels so that there isn't a shared uh, body of knowledge that we can all feed from. That's an interesting problem for democracy. Yeah. Well, Dal, on that, uh, I think we'll have to have a whole channel to discuss all the things you know about regarding the census and other matters. I'm looking forward to your Atlantic article and you can be sure I'll be spreading your propaganda on the airwaves. <laughs> For more on Pacific Conversations, check out the website, edtalks.com.au.
And for weekly updates on US news and politics, check out Ed's other podcast with myself, Sean Britton. US of Ed, available wherever you find good podcasts, as well as on Facebook and Twitter.